Come be a part of the Tea Party with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board Doc Holliday's Tea Party right now. It's only a click away. Welcome back to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm your host, Ed Holliday. You're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That is webtalkradio.net. And we're so glad to have you back. New listeners, welcome. You are here where you can hear the heartbeat of the Tea Party going on. And I'm telling you, this show is so packed with things, so much to say. We're going to get it all in. And uh, let me tell you, we got news items. we got something about Warren Buffett. We got so many things we could choose from about Tombstone of the Week, but we got a great Tombstone of the Week award, and we're going to be hitting hard with a Rock of Liberty speech at the end. And what's in between? We got an interview. We're talking about some international things. Interview with David Rubin. Well, uh, it's going to be straight from Jerusalem. So we got a little, we're going to call him in Jerusalem. May have a little satellite delay, but get ready for our great show. Oh my, I'm glad to have have you back to the Doc Holliday's Tea Party. So many times we get together and we've got so much to do. Same thing this week, there's so much going on. So we're going to hit some of the news items. And I want to let you know that this show is one that you want to tell everybody about because we're getting right into the presidential politics. And the news item is Rick Perry is in. It's official. He is in. And we got pundits saying, hey, this changes everything. We got a two-man race between Romney and Perry. Ah, 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 not so fast. Michelle Bachman had a strong showing in the Ames uh, straw poll in Iowa. And uh, Herman Cain's still in the thick of it. Rick Santorum's in the thick of it. Newt Gingrich in the Iowa debate. Newt Gingrich had his best showing ever. He put his talking points aside, and he was pure vintage Newt. And uh, you could hear people in the background wanting to say, Newt, Newt, Newt. Uh, So I think this is great for America. It's great for Republican uh, Party. We need a lot of ideas. People need to get brushed up. They need to get the rough edges off. This is it. We are going to determine the direction of our country by who gets the Republican nomination that the conservatives can get, find someone they can get behind and get this administration that we've been talking about here on Doc Holliday's Tea Party out of here. I mean, just this administration has got to go if this nation is going to survive. That's just the bottom line. I don't care how you put it. Uh, just on President Obama's bus tour, the famous bus tour, that is not he... Uh, all the aides in White House said, oh, it's not re-election. It's taxpayer money putting him around. And a uh, uh, couple of buses cost a million dollars a piece of, uh, each. And and it's, it's for us. It's the taxpayer's money letting our president get us enthusiastic when he stood up and said, this is his words. He uses the word I so many times. You know that. We hear him all his speeches. He said, 
I had stopped the recession. The economy's coming back till we ran in some bad luck. <laughs> Whew, that could be a Tombstone of the Week award. But no, we're going to, like I said, we had so many we could do. Uh, but I've got to tell you, on all the news items, presidential election is shifting in full gear. Why President Obama went to the Midwest was nothing to do with trying to charge up America. It's more to do with the Republicans getting all the press in Iowa. He had to get the bus. Why, why didn't he go to the Midwest? He wanted to rain on the Republicans' parade. Need a little raindrops falling on his head. Instead, he used taxpayers' money to go around to get us fired up. Now that, mm, mm, mm. I guess he had enough money to do that. They won't break into his re-election funds yet. Uh, he's still too busy raising it. Hey, let's get off President Obama for a minute, and let's talk about the Republican nomination real quick here. We're, every week, we're going to be getting more and more information on this Republican nomination. You're hearing it. I'm hearing it. Was what Doc Holliday had to say about it. That's why I'm listening, so I can fill you in on some of the details that you won't hear anywhere else. Gotta watch. This is the most important thing for me to tell you to watch what the press, what the liberal mainstream media is doing. It, from day one, when Rick Perry said he's going to run, when he announced his running, people, everybody from Bill Clinton to Chris Matthews made fun of him. They laughed at it. They said it like he's a clown, a you know, some kind of uh, bozo clown. They they just they cannot leave a person alone. They know Obama has no record to run on, so they're going to try to just tear apart anybody that has audacity to run against President Obama. But listen to the mainstream media and how they they are scared to death of Rick Perry. Because they're afraid if he gets elected, he will turn this country to the conservative side. You watch it, then <laughs> they're not quite as afraid of Mitt Romney. But they tell you they are. Said, so, oh, Mitt Romney, he, he, he's the guy that can whip Obama, I'm afraid. Mm, they are scared to death of Rick Perry. Read between their lips. What they say with their mouth is not what they really mean they have the democratic uh disease of uh saying things that aren't true chris matthews oh he wants that feeling running up his leg when president obama speaks and he knows when rick perry speaks <laughs> it's like somebody scratching on an old washboard well he needs to come down to texas and here's here's some credence clearwater revival and a little music and then maybe he'll get some uh empathy in that old hardened soul of his but chris matthews really went out of his way to criticize rick perry and i think you'll see it over and over now does rick perry is he going to be more conservative than a mitt romney can he win and, and mitt romney uh, can he win can michelle bachner come in and throw them both out we are in a race uh, for the nomination of the republican party something that is Something Republicans haven't seen in years and years of elections. And I think this is very good. There are some good qualities in each candidate. That's why they're running. I do think we're going, it's going to boil down to three or four. And then everybody says, well, what about vice president? Who's jockeying for vice president? Well, we're not there yet. As much as I'd like to uh, tell you we are there, 
and we need to start looking at vice president. We're not there yet. This nomination must run its course. We must see our candidates in action. They will make mistakes. We need to see how they recover. No person is perfect. You're not going to get a perfect candidate. We need to see how they recover. We need to see who will fulfill the presidency the best for the conservatives. And that's what we're here for. And Doc Holliday's Tea Party is going to keep you posted. You listen every week. We're going to tell you what's going on. And as we prepare for what I told you about last week, for those that didn't hear last week's show, go back and listen to it. We had a great show last week. And now what I told everybody is that I'll be one of the people that uh, will be in the live audience at the Tea Party Express slash CNN live presidential debate in Tampa, Florida on September 12th. I'll be able to get some questions in. If you've got, you got any uh, questions you want me to ask the, uh, the presidential candidates and the Republican nomination, send them to uh, radio at teaparty.ms. That's radio at teaparty.ms. And I'm looking forward to building up to September 12th and being there at the live debate in Tampa, Florida with some other Tea Party folks from around the country. Looking forward to that. Want to let you know about it. Tell your friends and neighbors. And Doc Holliday will be there. I'll keep you posted right here on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. Wow, what did Warren Buffett say? He came out with an op- op-ed in the Wall Street Journal and talking about all the money he'd made, not paying enough taxes. And he made this point. He made a point that said, basically he said in 1992, the 400 top earners that paid income tax uh, paid $16.9 billion. Well, uh, they made $16.9 billion, top 400 uh, income earners for that year, 1992, and they paid 29.2% of their taxes to, to the government. 29.2% of that $16.9 billion. And that turns out that they paid into the government coffers the top 400 in 1992 gave 4934800000 Now, he's complaining because our tax rate has gone down, and he said 21.5% is what the in uh, 2008 the top 400 earners made, and they, well, they made $90.9 billion, and when you pay 21.5% of that, it was $19,543,500,000. So what's better for the government? I mean, he was complaining that, that, that the very rich aren't paying enough taxes, and yet, and he said that the rates have lowered, and we should be paying more. But look, in 1992, the top 400 gave... Uh, Four billion nine hundred thirty-four million to the government. When the taxes went down, they gave nineteen billion. So, would you rather have twenty-nine percent of sixteen point nine billion or twenty-one percent of ninety point nine billion? If the income's going up, if the government's getting more money, we see over and over as the government, when we cut taxes, more money, more revenues come in. The trouble is the spending. It's the spending that's gotten out of hand. And another thing, every time you talk about raising taxes, the one thing you have to understand when you raise taxes, 
from putting the Congress's feet to the fire. When you give them more money to spend, they spend it. They don't cut it. They don't put it in a uh, Social Security lockbox. They don't say we're going we're gonna to trim the deficit with this spending. They may say it, but they end up spending it. That's why you can't give it to them. So Warren Buffett, I just, I think you messed up your own thing. There's nothing in the world that says you can't write a check to the United States Treasury, Warren Buffett. He did go on to say he thought there ought to be a tax increase for people made over a million dollars in one year. I have never heard President Obama say that, that they would stop at one million dollars. It's always the millionaires and billionaires, but every proposal starts at $250,000 of earned income in a year. I have never seen the president or any Democrat offer anything that said starting at $1 million. They, they don't offer it because they know it won't bring in the income. They want to get it down to $250,000. And, and, of course, that will hit many pocketbooks. And it's the small businesses that will get hit the hardest who should be hiring more people, but they can't hire because of all the uncertainty. Now, we got to get on to the rock. Well, not the Rock of Liberty speech. That'll be coming up at the end. But I am getting on to Tombstone of the Week Award. Had to get that tongue twister out. Tombstone of the Week Award this week goes to who? The union leaders for the Wisconsin Education Association. All the fighting in Wisconsin. A few months ago, we heard the union leaders say it would be a catastrophe for the teachers and the students if uh, the Wisconsin law went through to keep uh, the union from... Uh, bargaining over health care rights. Baloney! You know what happened? Look and see what happened. The union leaders are full of baloney. <laughs> what their words they used to threaten several months ago should be buried six feet in the ground. They get the Tombstone of the Week Award because they've been proven full of baloney. Why? Because what happened, they found out once they got out of uh, the, the new law that they put in Wisconsin is the, that their health care was coming from the WEA Trust. Now, what is that? WEA. Oh, it's the Wisconsin Education Association Trust. And what happened as, 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 soon, as, as soon as they uh, rewrote some contracts, the schools, the teachers and the students, all of a sudden there's one school that... Uh, their, their budget surplus went from 400, they went from a, 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 not a surplus, but they were $400,000 in the red. And as soon as they got the new contract for the health care, all of a sudden they had $1.4 million in the black. Because what was happening was the Wisconsin Education Association Trust didn't put out any bids. And every year they increased the, the demands, they increased the premiums, they increased everything that the taxpayers had to pay because the, the union members weren't paying anything and the, the health care increase was getting bigger and bigger. They were using some of those funds to funnel back in campaign contributions to the Democrats. No wonder they were trying to tear down the walls in the Capitol building in, in Wisconsin a few months ago. Because they knew where the gravy was. Their gravy train was coming to an end. 
We're seeing the truth. How many other places in the country is this happening to? But the taxpayers, nobody's standing up for the taxpayers. And that's why the Tea Party has to go on the march. And we've got to get in these places and find out what's happening under these contracts that have been people have been blinded to for years and years and years. The schools and the students are doing better with the new contracts. Uh, we, I said we had got so much to talk about, but I did want to take the time because of what's going on in Syria. And again, before we had oh, so much going on about what's happening in Jerusalem. Why does it affect America? What does it have to do with the Tea Party? Well, I want you to listen to our guest coming up. Now, before we get to our special guest, let me just remind you that you're listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm your host, Ed Holiday, and you're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. And I want to remind you, check out the banner, wheresamericasjobs.com. Also, check out the Tea Party Review Magazine, the best new magazine anywhere. And it's about the Tea Party movement. And you can click on the banner right on front and you can visit my website, www.teaparty.ms, and pick up my book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide from the Boston Tea Party to Today's Tea Party Revolution. Now let's go right to David Rubin, right in Israel itself. we got David Rubin on the line, and David, we're glad to have you on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Doc. I have a question right here at the first. You live in Israel now. And do you feel any safer living in Israel knowing that President Barack Obama is in charge of the White House? Well, not at, not at all, unfortunately. Uh, I, you know, there, there were surveys done in which they, surveys taken in which they found that uh, only about 15% of Israelis uh, believe that, that Barack Obama is pro-Israel. Wow, those, those are some numbers that doesn't give a lot of... Uh... Uh, backing to President Obama and his policies. No, well, the, the fact is that that uh, President Obama has been uh, anti-Israel, has been hostile towards Israel almost from the beginning, uh, to the extent that in the, in the first meeting with the Israeli Prime Minister, uh, he left him fending for his dinner uh, in a room in the White House. Disrespect and the uh, the lack of understanding for Israel's basic positions. Have, have just been horrible. When you talk about that, what happened at dinner at the White House the first time uh, your Prime Minister, uh, B.B., came over here. Now, you, and you, of course, you know a lot of people in the Jewish community here in America. Uh, do you think this is translating over from Israel to the Jewish community in America? Are, are they aware of how uh, our president's treating the Prime Minister of Israel? Well, I think I think that many American Jews are aware. Uh, the The problem is that that uh, probably a majority of American Jews are more concerned about uh, Barack Obama or, or any presidential candidates taking uh, what they what they might call politically correct positions on on social issues. So uh, a lot of American Jews just take a liberal line a liberal stance on on the, the main issues that I think that's that's the real problem here uh, that that American Jews do not do not have Israel at the top of their priority list well the, one of the things that uh, of course you used to live in the United States isn't that correct that is correct I've been living in Israel for almost 20 years 
almost 20 years, and you've seen a lot in the 20 years, and America's role has always been as a staunch ally of Israel, as far as I can remember. And now I, I even wonder exactly, I, I don't understand President Obama's policy, but it comes across as not being as good a friend to Israel as we've been in the past. Yeah, well, look, my, my most recent book, The Islamic Tsunami, Israel and America in the Age of Obama, gets into a lot of those issues of the America-Israel relationship. And if, if you look back through American history, all the way back to the Founding Fathers, you see that the United States was always biblically connected. It was always connected with Israel uh, through the Hebrew Bible and through, through the biblical stories. And, and George Washington, John Adams, John Quincy Adams, Benjamin Franklin, all, all of these uh, American heroes looked for inspiration to, to the Bible of Israel. Well, we, we know that. I know and you mentioned your book, The Islamic Tsunami, Israel and America in the Age of Obama, because this is just the last two or three years since President Obama has been in power, and we are seeing uh, unprecedented type uh, of actions that, that really embarrass me as an American, just like the uh, way your prime minister was treated at the White House. And then the second time when he's coming to America, when his plane was in the air, that's when President Obama mentioned going back to the pre-1967 uh, boundaries. They, now, what does that do for people in Israel to even think about going to pre-1967 boundaries? Well, look, uh, there, there are those in Israel who who do believe in going back to those boundaries and establishing a hostile Islamic state uh, within those boundaries in the, in the heartland of Israel. Uh, that, that's really what he was talking about. Uh, if Israel would do that, if Israel would, would be forced to withdraw to the pre-1967 borders, that would mean that Israel would be surrendering its, its biblical heartland, its ancestral historic places uh, that everyone reads about in the in the Bible. It, it, would, it would be giving up Israel's raison d'etre, Israel's right, right for existence, its reason for existence, and that would be suicide. So, so President Obama was basically advising Israel to commit suicide. But now you just, I may have misunderstood you, you said there's some people actually, some people actually in Israel that believes in going back to the pre-67, 1967 borders. Is that correct? That there's a group that actually believes that, that lives in Israel now? Yes, uh, there, there, are, there are a lot of people on the far left in Israel, just as there are those in the far left in the United States who are, who are always uh, beating their breasts and saying, well, the, the, the United States needs to apologize for, for what it is and uh, it's the United States' fault uh, that that a lot of the nations of the world uh, don't like the United States. Well, the, Israel has a similar problem. We we have people uh, who who are, feel guilty for who they are, and, and they and they're constantly apologizing, saying that that we created this this problem uh, where that the Islamic world doesn't like us. But what percentage is that in Israel, would you say? How many far left do you have? Well, I'd, I'd say about 20 to 20, 25% of the country feels that way. And, uh, and uh, another 20 to 25% uh, 
really isn't sure what they feel. Now, one of the things when you get into the Israel policy, and it has a lot to do about the settlement, Yahoo has taken control of the settlement decision-making, and, and I know President Obama doesn't like that, but at the same time, what does that tell us here in America, this Tea Party group, we want to know more about Israel, and we always hear about the settlements and how that's, you can't have settlements in these lands that uh, one day they want to get back in the hands of the Palestinians. As a well, the, common citizen, help, help me understand that. Sure. Well, the, in, in 1967, Israel won the Six-Day War. Uh, it was a, a war in which Israel recaptured uh, places like like Shiloh, where where I live, like uh, Hebron and and uh, Bethel, and Eastern Jerusalem. All, all of these places, the old city of Jerusalem, uh, and all of these places are the area that they call the West Bank. That when they refer to settlements, that's what they're talking about. So these are all parts of historic Israel. Most of most of my best supporters are, are people in the Tea Party movement. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> and yeah, because because they they understand that that Israel is a special place. It's not just an ordinary place, and uh, and that Israel and America need to be standing together in these times. And and when we talk about Israel and America standing together, we're also talking about those settlements. Uh, the settlements are idealistic places where where hundreds of thousands of uh, young Jews have, have moved in recent years uh, after that six-day war, after that miraculous war when Israel won a war in six days and on the seventh day we rested. And these, these are, these are the, the important places that we need to be standing with in these times. Well, the settlements, of course, I know some of them have, that they have uh, been taken back uh, and, and given back some to the Palestinians. Is that not correct? Yes, that was tragic. It was tragic that we gave back any of the, the settlements because when we did, uh, the, the the so-called Palestinians. By the way, the name Palestinians comes from the Romans. Uh, they they gave the land that name almost two thousand years ago after driving the Jews out of the land. They changed the names. Uh, from Judea, which was the last remnant of Israel, to uh, Palestina, naming it after the Philistines, the arch enemy of Israel. Okay. So the, these these Muslims who've adopted the name Palestinians are the worst enemies of Israel, and they're looking to drive Israel into the sea once again, and and uh, to destroy Israel completely. So we need to stand firm against that. Well, the, I don't see, and you know, I think that's why a lot of you get a lot of uh, sympathy from the Tea Party movement, or want to come and walk beside you, because we realize if uh, if Israel doesn't survive, or if Israel's driven driven into the sea, the world will uh, it will cease to exist as we know it today. That's for sure. Yep. Well, that's absolutely true. And 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 look, I I myself was a victim of of uh, Islamic terrorism some years ago when my son was shot in the head and I was shot in the leg, mm. a terrorist attack as we're coming back from Jerusalem. And as a result of that, I established the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund. And, I, and, and so we have therapeutic projects for children here in the, here in the heartland of Israel. And uh, the, 
the supporters of the Tea Party movement in the United States are, are among our best supporters. And they, they stand with us because they understand uh, that those who bless Israel will be blessed. Well, David, tell us a little bit about the, your, your organization there. And you said therapeutic. Now, what, it helps is established to help children that have suffered terrorism. Yes, well, we, we've had a lot of children here who've been traumatized by the terrorism uh, that, that has hit our area, our region, and to a disproportionate extent. So we've established a therapy center with therapeutic horseback riding, with uh, petting zoo, therapy with animals and art and music, and we also support educational programs. People have a lot of children here. And it's uh, it's important to help those children because uh, these are difficult times. With, you know, knowing that uh, that a family member could be killed any time, uh, a parent who goes out to work, a child who goes off to school, uh, knowing that that you could be killed by terrorists, and and these are the same Islamic terrorists, by the way, uh, that are uh, trying to take over the world, uh, Al Qaeda, the Hamas the Hezbollah. These are all organizations that work together, that stand together, and they even cooperate with the Ayatollahs of Iran and the Muslim Brotherhood. So we, we need to be aware of that. And, uh, and that, saying that, David, how, how about the Syrian situation? You, you live in right next to Syria, and what what's going on with the Syrian situation there? Well, the, Syri- the, the Syrian dictator uh, Bashar Assad uh, is, is involved in internal struggle. Uh, now, what, the thing that's kind of interesting, he's, he's an Alawite Muslim, which is like the Shiites of Iran. Okay. And, and, uh, but the majority of the people are Sunni Muslims. And that's more like and Saudi Arabia, is that correct? That's right, more like Saudi Arabia and the Muslim Brotherhood. Okay. Uh, the, the, those who were, you know, and Al-Qaeda are also Sunni Muslims. These, these are people who organized the terrorist attacks on 9/11. Uh, so, uh, the, so you have the Muslim Brotherhood, and you have the who are Sunnis, and Assad's people who are Shiites, and they and they're fighting against each other. They have, they have their internal uh, battles in the Islamic world. Uh, you also ha- you always have these internal battles. The one thing that unites them together is the big Satan and the little Satan. <laughs> right. The United and I know who States those are. And, and Israel. Uh, they, they manage to get together when it comes to fighting against us and, and to hurting our interests. But as saying that, in, in Syria now, um, the, if, if, the, if they went under, um, that's the unknown. If Assad falls and the, and the Sunni group takes over, what, I mean, do, would you know what that means or you just, it'd be the great unknown? Well, no, it's not so unknown. Uh, the the Muslim Brotherhood uh, and Al Qaeda, who, who who represent the Sunnis, those terrorist groups are are hostile to Israel, hostile towards America. But then again, so is Bashar Assad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he is also hostile to the United States and, and to Israel. You have the same situation in Libya. Uh, where where you have Gaddafi, who is certainly not a friend of Israel, certainly not a friend of the United States, but the Muslim rebels who were fighting against him and who the United States is, I, I believe, misguidingly supporting. Why, why do um, you think we're misguiding um, as far as uh, helping 
trying to defeat Gaddafi. Uh, look, I'll, I'll be I'll be very happy if Gaddafi falls. I, he's, he's he's no friend of ours, uh, but I but I think it's a mistake to to take sides in in these these internal struggles because the truth is, if you end up with a with with a Shiite, you end up with a Sunni, you end up with an Ayatollah, you end up with the Muslim Brotherhood, uh-huh. uh, you're still not going to come out ahead. Uh, the United States needs to be standing with those people who stand with the United States. Israel clearly stands with the United States. We have the same values. We, we, we have the same, a very similar uh, heritage and roots, and, and we need to be standing together in this time. So this is where our focus should be. And that was David Rubin. We appreciate him coming on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. Hope you enjoyed hearing what he had to say. He helped uh, me better understand some of the situation in Syria. A couple of nuggets. Number one is America and Israel have been allies and friends for many years. And I think it's very important we keep that relationship. The second thing was that surprised me that a lot of his support for his organization comes from the Tea Party here in America. So uh, thank you all for the, the ones to help out David and uh, if you, you can check out uh, David Rubin's website. Let me go right into Rock of Liberty speech. This week is not going to be standing up and shouting. Or, or I'm going to just tell you about America. America and politics. There's a time when the rock splits. What you thought was a foundation that would not shake. The people said, there's no way you can shake loose that foundation. Well, that's what they said about the King of England. That's what they said just as soon as Patrick Henry stood up and said, give me liberty or give me death, people were saying, no, you will not break the, the king. The king is a rock that will not be broken. We pledge allegiance to the king. This is tyranny. This is treason to talk about independence. But Samuel Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, Patrick Henry, wow. They were willing to put the noose around their neck if they were wrong to stand up for freedom and independence and that's what's made you and me. And that Tea Party has the spirit of 1776 running through it. But there's a time. That was one time when the, when the rock split. There's another time. Moved on when tremendous rock. They said, you will not shake the foundations of slavery you could talk about uh, abolition up in the north, but don't bring it down south. The Civil War broke that rock. It crumbled. It cracked beneath the power of the Civil War. America was changed. And then, another 70, is about 70 years after independence. And then after the Civil War, about another 70 years. What happened? The Great Depression hit and World War II. Progressive policies of FDR. There was a great political earth shake in those years. And progressive gain, progressives gained much power and they pushed their programs. And that's really where we are now. Another 70 years since FDR and the World War II. And this nation is just shaking then somebody saying, split that rock. It's time. It's time to break down the politics of the past. When people say it can't be done, you cannot change the status quo. I say look at American history. 
The time has come. The tea party is in place. Now, let's do our work. And that's the Rock of Liberty speech. Don't miss next week's show. We got the great conservative lady, the iron lady of conservatism in America, Phyllis Shafley is coming on. We're going here right here on Doc Holiday's Tea Party next week. Can't wait to have you. See you next week. Thanks for joining us today, and remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holiday's Tea Party. You can order Ed's book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide from the Boston Tea Party to Today's Tea Party Revolution by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.